0: Welcome to Let's Talk Parish. Let's Talk Parish will be an opportunity to learn about some of the people that call the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament in Sacramento, California home. My name is Chris and I'll be your host for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Good morning, Victor.
1: Good morning, Chris.
0: We're here at the, uh, in the rectory of the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament, and it's morning of Monday, uh, March 22nd, right? That's and you've right. And you come all the way down here from Yuba City to spend some time with us, no?
1: That's right. That's right, Chris. Yes. Uh, glad to be here, um, and a good morning to you. Well, thank you very much.
0: Uh, so let's open uh, the episode here with uh, with a word of prayer, asking the Lord's blessing. And uh, would you please lead us in a, in a brief word of prayer, please?
1: Of course. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.
0: Amen. You really took me seriously when I said brief.
1: That's right. <laughs> um, whenever I want to close a class that I teach up in Yuba City, uh huh, religious ed for the middle schoolers, and, um, I'm in a hurry, then I use that prayer at the end of class. So oh. It has both quality and the lack of quantity. So it's well, there helpful.
0: you go. There you go. And it's also part of, is it part of the divine mercy?
1: Yeah. Yes, it, yeah, it is. Chaplet, yeah. That's
0: right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, as you were thinking about this episode, we've had a couple of false starts. Um, what, uh, do you have any anticipation of what this next hour or so is
1: going to be like? No, not really. Well, no. good. <laughs>
0: good, because when you say, Jesus, I trust in you, um, I feel like the Holy Spirit in many ways is the co-producer, um, and directing our conversation. And so that's, uh, expect the unexpected, I would say.
1: All right. I'm open to that.
0: <laughs> so, uh, how long, how now, how long have you been at uh, the parish What is the name of the parish in Yuba City?
1: The name of the parish is Saint Isidore.
0: Saint Isidore.
1: Not Saint Isidore's. Saint Isidore. Saint Isidore Parish. Yes. And, um. You've been there how long? I've been there, let's see now, since September 1st of last year. Since
0: September 1st of last year.
1: So it's been a few months. It has been, yeah. Yeah, it has been. I'm, uh, rapidly drawing my term to a close. I should be out by May 10th. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, although it's unclear, you know, what my summer assignment is. So for all I know, maybe they'll ask me to stay there for the summer which I wouldn't mind at all.
0: Is that, is that a possibility? Yes. Definitely. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool, cool. So, um, if uh, our listeners, welcome to the listeners, um, aren't familiar with Victor Goronov and wondering why some, we're having someone from Yuba City here for our Cathedral Parish uh, talk, it's because he's a child. He's, a, he's the son of our parish. That's how I look at it. He's... Uh, um a product in a way of the cathedral parish um partially got a, a long history so that's why I've, you know and he's my godson for this to be transparent here um so I feel very very close to him and and I, very much part of our family here at the cathedral thank you chris so that's why we're doing this with with you victor um but I kind of want to go back because you entered the uh, Catholic Church um, as a young adult,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and but you've got quite a history prior to that. So I'm I'm wondering. Um, you've told me this before, but we'll just go into it a little bit deeper. You came to the United States from. From Russia. From Russia. Yeah. Now, you grew up in Siberia, is that correct? That's,
1: well, I didn't grow up there, but uh, I was born there. You were born there. And I spent the first four years of my life there.
0: Okay. And how old were you when you came to the U.S.? I four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. I see. Okay, so you really don't have a whole lot of memory for, of that time period? Or, or Do you have a memory of that time period? Back- I do
1: have some memories. Um I remember, uh, going to the woods, cause, uh, the city where I was born, it was surrounded by forests. Okay. And hills. So we, we went, we used to go to the woods with my mom to gather mushrooms, you know, for, for food. That was fun. Um, I remember the snow. I remember the ice. Oh, I can't remember being cold though, which is funny. Really? I have a lot of memories of trains. Trains were how you got around from one place to another, uh, public transportation. Typically, uh, and um, you know, I have this one uh, sad memory, uh, quote unquote. I we were at the World War II Memorial mm. with uh, my grandmother and my siblings, and um, it was a you know for a kid it was an amazing place. You know, it was it's it, it's all concrete and there's a big star carved into the floor with fire coming out of it to you know for the um, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, the right. Eternal Flame, and there's the um, and there was a big T-34 tank there, and my siblings got to go inside it, and I and I was not allowed to.
0: Oh, because you were so small.
1: Well, some of them were younger than uh, than me, and so oh. <laughs> so I was bawling my eyes off. Aww. <laughs> so it's on my bucket list. I going to go, go back someday. Go back and go get inside the tank.
0: <laughs> and it's not going to look as big as it did then. Trust me.
1: That's true, yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a little bit smaller, but yeah.
0: still. No catharsis. No. Well, I hope you do get to do that someday. Thanks. Absolutely. So, you guys come to the, to the U.S. Your yeah. fa- it's your family, basically. Your That's immediate right. family. That's right. Pretty much, right? mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, And now, was your family a part of a Christian tradition at that point?
1: Right. They had just converted in the late 80s to... Um an evangelical form of Christianity. Okay. Um, and previous to that, they were Pentecostal. Oh. So, the that's in part how they got their visa to come to America, through the church. It really helped with all the immigration uh, okay. protocols and so uh-huh. on. And so, um, yeah, um, we came over as evangelical Christians. And, um, we, um, you know, Got right into the local community, local branch of that church. Okay, and uh, they helped us get a get up on our feet, and you know, get our bearings, and and so on.
0: And was that here in Sacramento?
1: Yep, we came to Sacramento and never left. Oh wow!
0: So you came straight here from
1: from, uh, from Russia? Yeah, from Russia. From uh, I believe, where did we fly from? Not sure if it was my hometown, Bratsk, or if it was Moscow. Okay. So it could have been either of those two.
0: Wow. So how long were y'all members of the that ev- evangelical church?
1: You know, not very long after coming to America. Uh because uh so strange things started happening in the church. Mm. And my father was exposed to a whole lot of other um perspectives, okay? And so um in the church we went we we kept going for about a year after coming to America. And, um, but things started getting kind of culty, you know, and, uh, sort of irrational. Uh, at one point, look, case in point, right? My father remembers that the final straw for him was when, um, people would stand up in church and quote, like, violent passages from the book of revelation, such as, you know, these people will burn in the lake of fire forever and ever. And the congregation would very enthusiastically say, amen. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and and um, it was, in theory, in a very egalitarian church. Okay. But really, you know, you knew who the leaders were, and there was a very rigid structure and so on. And so, uh, my father kind of had enough of it. And he, unfortunately, he almost lost his faith. Oh. But he said that the thing that kept him Christian was, um, a, 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 book, a particular book by C.S. Lewis, the oh. author of the Narnia books. Sure. Uh, it, it's called Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity. Yeah. And so he, he just couldn't refute the, you know, the points in the book. Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, he said, I'm gonna be Christian. I won't go to church because I don't know where to go, but I'll 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 stay Christian. And meanwhile, he was going to college, and he was getting exposed to a lot of education he did not have access to in the Soviet Union previously, because uh, over there, with very few exceptions, you only received a technical education, never an education in the humanities.
0: So when you when you when you left Russia, there was it was still the Soviet Union at that point, or had it actually? Transitioned over to?
1: Well, it had been four years since it transitioned.
0: Four years. Yeah. So a lot really hadn't changed. Or had it?
1: Well, a lot did, but it was absolute chaos. Oh. But And so, um, but a lot of things were left over.
0: And when he was going to school, it was the Soviet Union. That's right. That's right.
1: Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so for a long time, for about 10 years, we were without a church community. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, my mom just read us the Bible as we were growing up, um, read from spiritual works, and that was the extent of our religious education.
0: Do you remember any of the religious uh, writings outside of the scriptures that your mom would read to you?
1: Definitely. She would read us in Russian the works of um, uh, John Bunyan, uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress, sure. So um, they were more, you know, Protestant. Of course, yeah, uh, spiritual
0: but still a good book.
1: Yeah, a very good book, except for where it calls the papacy uh, an evil giant.
0: Well, <laughs> we'll, forgive him. we'll forgive him.
1: Yeah, he didn't, He yeah.
0: At the time, when when did he write? He wrote back in the...
1: During the English Civil War, Cromwell versus
0: Charles I. Yeah, that was back when, the 1600s? Yep. Yep. That's right. And, um, yeah, because you're a history major, I have to get that right. Yes. Um. uh there was a lot of anti Catholic, anti papacy feelings in the Protestant world. And there still is some.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, lots of it.
0: Lots of it. And, uh, and sometimes, and I feel like <clears throat> when we look back in, in history, some of it the church brought on itself. Um, and then some of it was just like way over the top, but it was a real thing. And so, and so I'm not surprised that John Bunyan would have something like that in there.
1: Oh, sure. No, no, yeah. no. It's, it's perfectly reasonable yeah. under the circumstances.
0: All things considered.
1: All things considered. Right.
0: Right. So how, so for that, you did that for 10 years. 10 years. And then, so then what happened? Now. So, that, so now, let's see, for 10 years, so you were probably, what, a teenager by then? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So I was about 17 when we first started considering the Catholic faith. But what happened prior to that was, uh, my father, he was going from church to church, kind of searching, seeking. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he was doing a lot of, um, education in college. And he decided that, um, you know, I'm going to study the Reformation because right now I'm going to a Calvinist church in downtown Sacramento. The one, uh, what is it called? Um,
0: was it a Presbyterian?
1: Yeah, that's the one.
0: I don't know the name of
1: it. It's across the, the Capitol Park. The floor. one that's
0: right across from the Capitol.
1: Right, yeah. yeah. Was it Westminster? Maybe.
0: I couldn't say for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, anyways, um and he was drawn to the structure and the liturgy of the, and and kind of the, the centuries-old tradition of the Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. And, um, it really drew him towards, uh, theology and towards history and so on. So he wanted to study the Reformation to get deeper into it. And this is where the interesting stuff happened, started happening. Um, the Reformation, uh, inevitably led him to some Catholic teachings presented without prejudice, hmm. you know? And, uh, he was, you know, he was just struck by it. You know, the, just intellectually. You know, just, you know, I, I can't refute this. This this rings so true. And so, he imported it, t- took it home, mm-hmm. and says, hey guys, you know, I've been, uh, doing a little reading here and studying there and praying there. And what do you guys think about X, Y, or Z about, you know, in the Catholic faith? Are you crazy, Dad? <laughs> uh, don't you know that they're all a bunch of statue worshippers? <laughs> and so, he's, he kind of, uh, you know, kept quiet and continued praying and reading. And then I, I go over to my mom and I say, Mom, uh, this is, a, isn't this a silly phase my dad's going through? Like, uh, this Catholic stuff. And she said, Well, you know, it's kind of convincing. And, you know, she's, she had been the spiritual pillar of the family for a decade. And it's like, what? You too? What's going on here? Uh, but, you know, my mom, um, taking it more, um, seriously and being more open with it, mm-hmm. it, it really, it opened me up a little bit too. Uh, but I had a lot of doubts, you know? And, um, so this is the summer of 2018. And, um, finally my dad says, Hey, Victor, you should, you should at least, you know, just read a few books, think about it, pray about it. You know, like, here's a, a few good ones. Here's some testimonies and so on.
0: 2018 or 2008?
1: I'm sorry. 2008. <laughs> this was a what's long a, what's time a, ago.
0: What's a decade, right? I... It,
1: time has flown by. So fast. So fast. I you agree. Know. I agree. It's, uh, yeah.
0: I'm like, 2018, that was only like three years ago, so that cannot be right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And if you hear sips on this, it, because we're drinking coffee, to try to stay awake.
1: <laughs> it's early in the morning. For us, it is. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I start reading, and things make sense for me in the head, you know. It's like, yeah this makes a lot more sense than other interpretations of the bible and so on and yet i'm not convinced okay you know? and i remember um another turning point in uh, in kind of my conversion um we were in the living room with my dad and we're chatting about faith related stuff and i say you know now why the heck do catholics you know devote so much attention to mary and um she's, like, so insignificant. And my dad, he uh, gets a little ruffled. Oh. And he says, you realize that you're talking about the mother of, you know, of God, of Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know? And she's not just anyone. And then, so I said, oh, you make a good point. She is, you know, the mother of God. And on the other hand, I was more impressed with his passion than with, with his argument, you know, because it it's, um yeah, it was a very sincere sort of ind- indignation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all, okay, well, maybe I ought to, you know, take it down a notch, like with the, uh, you know, p- poking and prodding at my dad. <laughs> and so... Anyway, so I'm still undecided. It's still the summer of tw- 2008. And, um, then I read another, one final book, in a sense. And it was by Carl Keating. It was called The Spirit of Catholicism. And it contrasted sort of the perspective you see of Christianity from the non-Catholic side. Okay. You know, versus Catholic or, or Orthodox perspectives on it. And I realized what's really lacking in, um, in a non-Catholic perspective is sacramentality. And so, uh, I was raised to believe that God was very distant. Uh, in a sense, um, He can't work through matter. He only works through the Spirit. Hmm. And He can be in your heart, spiritually. Uh, but it, to me, that lacks a lot of imminence, you know. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It and the was,
0: sacraments are what brings god
1: close. Right. Right. And and that opened a, up a vista for me of a much closer and therefore a much more loving god. Hmm. You know. And so and, a, and and it was just a a revolution for me. It was a compl- it turned my world completely upside down. I had been living in a non-sacramental world, right? For much of my life. And then suddenly, not anymore. And so I, I walk. I after I I walk around kind of in a daze outside, and then I go, I go inside, and I, I um, find my dad. And I said, "Dad," um. So I just found out that I had been Catholic all along, and I didn't know it. He said, "Oh, wow, really? Okay. Well, I guess we better go to church." I said. So we started going to church.
0: And where was that?
1: Uh, the cathedral. Cause, oh, really? Yeah, my dad, he likes to keep his eye out for, um, beautiful things. Okay. You know, and so, and he couldn't help noticing the cathedral. You know, as he would drive downtown every now and then. And so he's all, hmm, gotta go in there. And says, okay, my, I'm gonna, so I hear that the, the most, the fanciest mass that the Catholics have is the Easter mass, so I'm gonna go to that one. To, to be by Easter Vigil, I'm sorry.
0: Oh he went to the he went that was the first mass he that went was, to? I, I believe so, yeah. Goodness.
1: And so the all the bells were and whistles were out and he 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 really enjoyed it. And then he um you know kinda hooked him a little bit. And um so we started going to RCIA. And RCIA was just wonderful. Um, I remember getting a real feeling of holiness attending RCIA. There are all these dedicated, uh, volunteer parishioners. Right. That are devoting their time to try and help us, uh, to become one with the church. And, um, there was beautiful music, beautiful prayers, just, uh, people were on fire for God. And, um, Oh
0: hey Father. Hey Father. Right here, Father O'Reilly popped his head into the room. Um and we had a nice little chat with him for a moment. Unfortunately none of his voice was picked up by the microphone, otherwise I would be sharing this. But uh yeah, it was it was nice. We talked about his new doggy and um got to say hello. And that was that was a nice little interruption. And uh but let's get let's get back to our discussion with Victor. Okay. That was a fun interruption. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, so we uh loved RCIA so much that we decided to run up to Sister Jenny, who was in charge at that time of religious education mm-hmm. and tell her, Hey sister, uh we love RCIA, but we also really want to get at the sacraments. And so, we know that the typical number of years for RCA is two. Could you make ours six months? <laughs> and she says, sure. <laughs> and so, we just, you know, went right through it. And uh it was beautiful getting to know the other RCA people and the teachers. And you were one of them, Chris.
2: Right, yes, and, I remember. And
1: and you became a godfather at that time. Yeah. And... um yeah, it was just a, a time of soaking up knowledge and faith and getting closer to God, and uh, the scrutinies were very powerful. Uh, they were in private. Well, one of them was in private, I think, and uh, it was um, just um, it was very, very, very meaningful because the the scrutinies they forced me to. Reflect on the RCA experience. Okay. And at what, especially what the Holy Spirit was doing in my life. And I, w- I had never considered the Holy Spirit before as active in my life, even though my parents were from a Pentecostal background and the sure. Holy Spirit figured largely in there. Um, people who spoke in tongues in my family, you know, on a regular basis. But anyways, um, So, it gave me a greater realization of the work of Providence, the work of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. always being there. And so, that's, that was a bonus, you know, that was great, that was awesome. And, um, yeah, and then finally, Easter Vigil 2009, uh, my parents and I were baptized, received First Communion and Confirmation at Easter Vigil.
0: Excellent. So we're gonna, we're gonna take a, a little pause. While we close that door. <laughs> okay, we're back. Wow, that's quite a story. So you know, I was gonna I, while you were you were talking about this realization about the Spirit's action in your life. Um, I think a lot of times, even though we're we have a Trinitarian faith, oftentimes the Holy Spirit um, isn't talked about that much, which is. In a sense, the Holy Spirit tends to not draw attention to itself. Its main function is to draw attention to the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Son.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and yet, it, I think that that's a, to bounce that out in our, you know, praying to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's very important to acknowledge, right, the Spirit's action in our lives, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So,
1: absolutely,
0: that's that's really important now. Um, had you been baptized prior to coming to the Catholic faith? No. No. Even though you were, were coming from, uh, you had the Pentecostal background and the evangelical background for a few years, baptism never came up.
1: No. I, um, see, the thing is, for baptism, I felt like I needed a church structure for that, and okay. I didn't have one prior to becoming Catholic for 10 years. Sure. And another thing is, uh, I figured it was, you know, I was younger back then and it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably wait till I'm 30, you know, or something before I get baptized. Something like that. Cause it, typically it's adult baptism and you have to be like certain and whatever.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So you were, so you're ba- you were baptized in the, into the Catholic.
1: At age 18. Yeah. At age
0: 18. You were eighteen.
1: Mm-hmm. I had just graduated high school.
0: Wow, wow! So, um, graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Now you're thinking about wh- what's next, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm. So I was very confused after high school was over, as many high schoolers are. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, what next? And I, and I thought to myself, okay, I know I need to find a job. And I know I'm going to because my my father told all his kids, you know, I'm just gonna require one thing of you guys, and that's to get a bachelor's degree. Okay. So um I um went to American River College for school the coming the following fall, uh after you know, baptism and graduation. And, um, I, after six months or so, I followed in my father's footsteps and became a security guard mm-hmm. in the same company. Mm-hmm. And so, so began my six year journey of school and work.
0: Did, um, during this time, do you, do you feel like you were integrated into parish life here at the cathedral?
1: Oh, yeah. I, um, a month after I was baptized, I get a call from Sister Jenny. She says, Victor, we need you to be an altar server. I said, okay. I never would have gone on my own. You know, I needed someone to say that they, you know, required my help. So I felt like it was a privilege, and I got into that. And then slowly I began going into the youth group and into homeless ministry. Um, yeah, I I started to get really involved with the parish.
0: Good. Well, that's because that's key. Right? Oh, yes. It, for the, because we're, it's, we're not saved individually. No, no. I mean, no. we are, but we aren't.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: we're saved into a body. We're saved into a community. We're saved into a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? And so being integrated into the parish life is extremely important, which is always a challenge. Um, for, for, you know, looking from the RCIA point of view, getting people integrated in, into the parish life. Isn't always easy. And especially right now, as we've had this lockdown situation and we haven't had a lot of opportunity, um, it's become even more of a challenge.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, so, so that's really cool. So, so six years in college, you decided to be a history major. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, I think I talked to you early on because I saw a spark of something in you about considering, uh, Discerning a vocation to the to the priesthood.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, at, w- at what point did you decide you wanted to actually actively pursue that discernment?
1: It was shortly after baptism. Oh, it and was, yeah, because because I remember you know people mentioning you know you know priesthood priesthood. You know, hmm, hmm, yeah, no, no, I'm not worthy, and so, <laughs> uh, but uh, shortly like. A month or two after baptism, um, I kind of look around and I listen and it appears that the church is running out of priests. And I'm thinking, you know, I had just learned about what priests do and how important they are. And, um, you know, they're the guys who bring us the sacraments, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, no, this is terrible. I better go apply. <laughs> like to, to do a stopgap thing, you know. They might run out completely. (laughs) So I I call up the vocations director for our diocese, uh, who at the time was Father Chuck Kelly from Paradise, California. And um, so I said, Yeah, Father, the church is running out of priests. Uh, Let me know how I can apply, basically. A rambling phone message. Sure. So I get a call back a, a few days later saying, uh, hi, got your message. You know, we should come in for an, you know, appointment, a meeting. Said, oh, okay. So I, you know, I didn't have a car at the time, so I borrowed my mom's car and borrowed my mom as well. <laughs> and, uh, we went up there to the office in the diocese and, um, um, it was a great meeting and, um, that's where I, Lost my perception of the priesthood as a job, which I thought it was at the time, and realized that it was a calling that I can't decide on my own to be a priest right and um so and the and a calling requires discernment, which I never have had heard of prior to this meeting and um so so I go away puzzled and. The, um, and you know, I, I approach it like a Rubik's Cube, you know. Time for discernment. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, I'm getting invitations to go to seminarian events, you know, with okay. the vocations director and with other seminarians. You know, with other, other guys who are discerning. Right. And it was a, a lot of fun, and it was really good. Um, I got to meet a lot of people who are now priests, you know, or seminarians. And... um We established a fraternity. We prayed together. We ate together. We talked together. And, um, we were a motley crew from the beginning. (laughs) Had almost nothing in common with each other. But it's, um, it was really something to immediately have a fraternity with total strangers based on this discernment thing, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah, discernment. We use discernment in RCIA as people are going through the the process, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not... How to actually enter into a discernment process isn't something that's taught generally, Mm -hmm. Um, unless maybe you're like a Jesuit. The Jesuits do a lot of discerning, Mm -hmm. or if you're heading into a vocational situation for ordination or religious life, Married life also, there should be a discernment process for, sure. you know, any, any type of major life event like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but how well we're actually taught to discern to me is a question. I'm not sure that we do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a challenge to, to discern the will of God and to hear the voice of God in, in that calling. And I know for me, oftentimes that Voice comes through other people, mm-hmm. right? Um, when I've often asked the Lord for a direction, um, if two or three people start talking to me and they're all in agreement independently of each other, then I wait, weigh, that weighs heavily in, in my discernment process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what happens next?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so I keep this up for six years.
0: And it is now are you still in are you still at the university at this point or are you out?
1: Now at this point, um I started going to UC Davis. Okay. So I transferred there. And I um I'm getting more and more experience at my work. Eventually I'm promoted to supervisor. And um in the meantime, I'm getting more and more involved with the parish. And I start going to World Youth Days, you know. You know you're involved when you start going to World Youth Days. Yeah, Day. you do. And um, certain uh, events happen that um, were sort of milestones in this discernment process. Um, every young man in a Catholic parish eventually gets uh, somebody... You know, telling them, hey, think about the priesthood. And, um, you know, that's to some extent normal nowadays. I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least uh, in my experience, it's been that way. And, um, and so you have a sort of excuse to sort of brush it off sometimes, you know. And then, um, that's what began happening to me. And, um, at sometimes the discernment was frustrating, and I would just, uh, g- I gave up three times, you know, and something would always bring me back. Hmm. That I d- could not believe was a coincidence. I thought it was the hand of God there. And, um, but, you know, priests begin telling me, hey, you should think about the priesthood. And so I, I, so I, at first I chalked it up to like, you know, they're, they're, you know, beating the drum for vocations, you know, they, they want to, Help out the church and plant a seed, and um and then it's like three different priests in a row, like on the and they. It didn't look like they were advertising. You know, mm-hmm. it looked like they were serious. It, that it was a personal thing, not a not a you know. They weren't fishing. Right, and so I remember Father O'Reilly here. Uh He he had the misfortune to stumble upon me in the pantry behind the sacristy where we were all gathered after mass. Like this was like six, seven years ago, I don't even remember how long ago. And he he said, uh, you know, he looked super thoughtful. He said, Victor, have you thought about the priesthood? And then I I had a c- cup of coffee in my hand and I just, I had, I was in one of those frustrating days where everyone's talking about the priesthood, you know. Okay, Father, did, did Father Michael Kiernan put you up t- to this, to tell me this? Because <laughs> he's been telling me that a lot, and you know, no, I'm, and everybody laughs, but he was serious, and yeah. like, okay, he was serious. So, and I don't think he was lying. So, and so I, I begin to have doubts. Okay, maybe I am a call to the priesthood. Like you said, sometimes, uh, it comes from people, you know, your, your signs, so to speak. Right. And, um, so, I'm a little more open to it, but still very unsure. But, in the meantime, I'm almost subconsciously preparing for the priesthood. I, uh, Cause, uh, you know, I, I, every, every time I thought about getting into a relationship in high school or in college, thought of the priesthood always says, you know, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait until I figure this priesthood thing out. And, um, it doesn't seem like the timing is right. And, and so I said, I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm waiting. And in the meantime, Father O'Reilly again is saying, you should go on a discernment retreat. I said, Father, I don't have the time. I have my work. You know, I work the weekend. So finally I had an open weekend and I, I ran out of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> so I carpooled with another guy and I drove down to St. Patrick's Seminary.
0: And, that, and that's in Menlo Park?
1: In Menlo Park, in the Bay Area. And, um, it was, uh, an incredible experience over there. Um, it, to me, I thought it was the most prayerful place I've ever been to. And I was, uh, I was really, um, impressed by all the young guys in, in clerics. Because mm-hmm. before, all priests were, uh, middle-aged or older, you know, <laughs> up until that point. And, um, so, so here,
0: here, here are young men your yeah. own age.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. That was the that was the clincher. And well, well that could be me. Who knows? Who knows? And that looks pretty cool. So, um, and I to hear their vocation stories, it was just fascinating. You know, they all had the most amazing vocation stories. Like the guys that I managed to catch and talk to. Uh huh. And then afterwards, and then I was really jealous of some of the other guys who were there, and they were telling themselves, "Oh yeah." I know now that I'm coming here next fall. This is definitely the place for me. Et cetera, et cetera. Like, wow, I don't have any conviction that I'm called to this. Oh my, uh, so I guess this is no. And so I'm driving away from the seminary and then, uh, suddenly I have this spiritual experience. And, um, it was late afternoon and I had resigned myself to, well, I guess, I guess this is it. You know, this is God's will for me. And, uh, suddenly I feel super, super peaceful. And I'm like, oh wow, I'm feeling really relaxed right now. This is not normal for me. <laughs> and then, um, and I, I feel like everything is glowing around me. Like, huh, that's beautiful. Must be the sunlight. <laughs> and then I think, and then I, I, I'm like super chill and super glowing. Okay. This is a little bit too glowy and peaceful to be normal, uh, to be a natural event. So this is a sign from God. And I said, so I'm driving away from the seminary. So God must not want me to be a priest. <laughs> and so I, at this point in my discernment journey, Father O'Reilly, again, is my spiritual director. Okay. And so I share it with him. So, yeah, I guess I have some closure now, Father, I tell him. And he said, you know... Uh, it could actually mean the exact opposite thing of what you're saying. Right. You just came back from a discernment retreat. And and I said, oh my gosh, you're right, Father, I'm back to square one. Because that
0: could be an answer to your question.
1: Yes, but at the time I didn't think about it. Now I Now I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. But God knows that I'm a little bit slow sometimes.
0: <laughs> Aren't we all?
1: <laughs> anyway... So I'm at a fifty fifty point in my vocation journey, and I'm lounging around at home i'm not at work I'm not at school and um have my cell phone was it a cell phone I don't remember but I'm looking at you through youtube okay and I find a video with Father Chuck Kelly in it giving a, a homily oh that sh- this should be interesting, so I click play and he says in in the in the homily if you think you have a vocation, you have a good enough reason to go to seminary. You know. So at the time I was 50-50. So after watching that video, it was, you know, 51% to 49%. And I said, well, that's it. The, the, the balance has shifted. It's time to apply.
0: Wow. You
1: know. And so I call the vocations director, who is now Father Francisco Hernandez. And, um, I say, yeah, Father, um, I'd like to apply for seminary, and he said, "Well, it took you long enough." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, um, so I, I get ready for the for my final year of of um, well, for an entire year of applying because there's a mountain of paperwork to do. You got to do a psych evaluation. You gotta do, you write your whole life story. Wow. It's, there's so much to do. And, um, and you have, you have three separate interviews. I had an interview with Deacon Luigi. Luigi? Uh, he's no longer with, uh, in the office of vocation, but at the time he was. And I had an interview with Kathy Connor, the chancellor for the diocese. And another interview with, um, another priest who I don't remember. And they, they poked and prodded and asked a lot of personal questions and, uh, op- approved the application. And, um, so, but I didn't know at the time. And I, and I figured, okay, well, you know, I'm about to graduate from UC Davis and I think it'd be really cool if I got accepted at this, in the same year that I graduate from UC Davis so I can get right into seminary in the fall. Right. Fall.
0: Without skipping a beat.
1: Yeah. And so now fast forward to the ordinations for that year. And Father Francisco comes out of the cathedral and I'm waiting for him. So he said, yeah, Victor, about your application. He says, Bishop would like to, you to wait a year, you know, before entering seminary. I'm like, no. And I felt so rejected. <laughs> and, oh no. Oh my gosh. And then he said, and then he looks at me and says, but you still are interested, right? And I will, well, yes, yes, I, I still am, still am. And he's like, good. All right. Awesome. Well, don't worry. Like, uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, enjoy life and wait for the call to, to arrive. So, and I, and I leave, like, really, like, I felt so defeated and, and down. Well, I can
0: imagine.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I, you know, it's my, for it's, it was this was my first year without any kind of school for most of my life, you know. But you're still employed. I'm still employed, and um, and I and I just started to go on the grave shift now. Mm-hmm. And so it just was a very strange year, you know. Oh, I will bet. And um,
0: you know, it reminds me of uh, who was it? Jacob, mm-hmm. who wanted to marry Rachel. Yeah. But he had to marry Leah first. He had yeah. to wait, right? Mm-hmm. So seven it kinda, years. It kinda, and you didn't have to wait seven years though, right?
1: No. No. <laughs> but but I, it
0: reminded me of that story. But I did
1: discern for six years before entering, entr- applying and entering for seminary.
0: So it almost is a seven year process then.
1: Yeah. And, and then seminary itself was seven years, so that's funny. But anyway. It is funny. <laughs> but it, they flew by. I gotta say, all those years flew by. Uh, just like it flew by for Jacob. Because yeah. he loved. Rachel. So much. Yeah. And so I, I I'm getting more and more cynical and down and like, they'll never call me I'm thinking. <laughs> and and then in January I get a phone call from the new I, I've been to three different vocation directors at this point. It was the new vocation director, Father Hovito. And uh he said, Victor, he says over the phone, Good news, uh you're accepted and this was six months after I, I was asked to wait a year. So. So, Oh, so you only had to actually wait six months. Yep, yep. And so. And so I'm thinking, what? Really? Wow, this is life changing. And I was like, just dumbfounded walking around in a trance the whole day. You know, and thinking about, okay, what do I, what do I do now? I gotta, I have to, let's see, I have to become a saint overnight. I have to, you know, become totally disciplined overnight and like, you know, just a, a perfect human being. Alright. No sweat. And so, so I, you know, announce it to all my friends and family. And, and then I go on a men's retreat in February. And in the men's retreat, I think that I, I received some healing there and some preparation for what was to come, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, it was, you know, it was a, like, Cursio style. It was an axe retreat. Okay, an extra It's very good, and I and I could feel, I think, for the first conscious time in my life, God touching me, like right here,
0: which is and here being like on my chest, on your chest, yeah. Because people are listening, they can't see where you're.
1: That's true. That where I'm pointing. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, it was like almost a physical kind of manifestation of God. And it was a, uh, to me it was like, you're on the right track, keep going. That was the message from God. And I love you, by the way.
0: <laughs> from God.
1: Yeah, from God. Sign God. Sign God. SJ. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, a few months later, so I'm like, I'm kind of in a trance because of that retreat now. Sure. And, um, come back from that. And then, uh, then I'm promoted at work, you know. And then so that's another thing. Wow, I'm I've never been promoted before. That's that's pretty cool. And then I um and all this time I'm doing grave shifts, so that's really messing with my mind, you I'll know? Bet. It's like the whole the whole year was just
0: very surreal. Talk about disturbed sleep patterns. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And then um <laughs> So I it's, it's, uh, 2016. It's the summer. Okay. And at, with very little, um, just a few months of, uh, notice, I've, I'm asked to go on my second World Youth Day, you know, to help chaperone the youth.
0: Okay. And that was the, is that, was, is that the one to Poland? To Poland.
1: And, and I say, well, okay. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, we'll run out of time. They'll find someone else. This is too weird to have all these things happen in one year. And so, uh, believe it or not, uh, July comes up and everything works out and they go to Poland. Wow. With the cathedral crew. And, uh, it was a wonderful experience. It was a challenge. I mean, you're babysitting, right? Right. But, uh.
0: They wouldn't see themselves as babies, but.
1: Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it was wonderful, yeah. So, my first World Youth Day was with Pope Benedict, and now my second one was with Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. So, and I was this close to the mobile when he passed by in this Krakow. Close? You were that? Uh, like, well, like... Could three, you
0: reached out and touched it?
1: Three yards away. Wow. Yeah. That's close. Yeah. And it was really cool. And, um yeah, a, a wonderful experience. And probably more preparation for the priesthood. Probably. And so, I leave uh, Poland... And um, two and and you know right before I leave for Poland, I give my letter of resignation to 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 the company. Mm-hmm. That fall was when I was supposed to enter. Senator. You had
0: just gotten promoted. Yep. And now you're resigning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're and probably confused.
1: You know, they're. I don't think so because in security, there's so much turnover. Oh, there is. You wouldn't imagine. It, it's not the most desirable profession. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So, fast forward. I had, they asked me to work two more weeks after I got back from Poland. Okay. So I did. Felt very weird to go back to work again after I had submitted a letter of resignation. Sure. But finally, those two weeks ran out, and it was time to go. And I, this is, uh, this is where I had another spiritual experience. Um, it was late afternoon again nobody was home i had just packed all my bags and i had put everything into my camry you know the the fuel tank is full and um got got everything i needed and then uh now up to this point i had always been or at least for much of my life i i loved the place where i grew up in sacramento in north sacramento mm-hmm. the apartment complex mm-hmm I loved being at home. I was a homebody. Okay. And, um, you know, of course, I was very introverted and had my computer and my books and my brothers and my friends lived here and there nearby. And I, so I was strongly spiritually attached to that place. And as I, before getting into my car, I looked, gave one last look around and it was beautiful. It was golden hour and um, it's a
0: beautiful time of the day
1: yeah and i looked at my at the apartment where i spent most of my life and then like just like that i felt like a spiritual umbilical cord cut and boom i just did not feel within in a second i did not feel attached to that place anymore so i felt spiritually homeless amazing and yeah and so and yet peaceful there was a little bit of a little, just a t- tiny smidge of grief there, but because an attachment is an attachment, you know, what can you do? And you feel it's loss. but there is a lot of peace. And I felt like, yep, this is confirmation that, that this is, God is telling me, yep, Godspeed, you know, up to the seminary, let's go. Wow. And so, wow, God, you really arranged this really well. So I get into my car and I drive up to Oregon, Mount Angel Seminary.
0: So throughout this whole process um how how did your family factor in what were you, were you getting support from your mom and your dad and or did they have questions about it or how was it difficult for them to accept this direction your life was taking There was a little bit of difficulty
1: because my dad he says, you know, Victor, you know, I've known you all your life and you are really a family kind of guy. You love children and you're just very, um you just really, it just really seems you'd make a good father. And so that's my only concern about um you becoming a priest. Because maybe your true vocation is to marriage mm-hmm. and family life. We, and, and that
0: is the big question, right?
1: It is, it is. And it's hard to separate the two. Because uh, I don't know any seminarian who doesn't feel a tug at marriage, you know? In the direction of that marriage. would be natural. Yeah, very natural. And, uh, myself included. My parents were originally hesitant. They're like, well, and they kind of like looked askance at me. And it's like, well, are you sure you can do that? Can you be celibate? And so on. And, um, but over, and over the years, fast forward a few years, and my dad would say, you know, Victor, I gotta say, you're still doing this priesthood discernment thing. Well, whatever you choose in the end, I support you. You know, oh, so that was a, gr- a step.
0: What a great dad.
1: Yeah, yeah. And recently, much more recently, my dad has said, you know, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm behind you on this priesthood thing. It's, it's no longer whichever way you're going, but it's like, yeah, I think, I think you'd make a good priest, essentially. That's Emperor great. great. How yeah. wonderful that
0: must have felt.
1: Very wonderful. Very wonderful indeed. Yeah. Anyway, so so the, my mom is she I said to her "Mom, what do you think about this whole thing?" She said, "Oh, I'm I'm just I'm just happy that you're even considering it." Aww, you know, moms like, are awesome. Whoa. High praise, mom. High praise. So, yeah, uh, although, you know, she was very, uh, she's full of caveats. Oh, of course you she is. You better be the holiest priest out there. and No pressure, though. No pressure <laughs> at all. And I, I want you to have perfect homilies and, you know, yeah. And don't get into, like, you know, like all these heresies out there and all these other pitfalls in life. It sounds like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom was a little bit of a warrior, you know, and a warrior, too. So both she worries and she wa- she wages war. Right. <laughs> so she's a she's a tough one. But um yeah, so I always felt more or less that my parents were behind me. Good. Um
0: and as and and it went it went from less to more as time went on. Yes. That's that's, right. that's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful, Victor.
1: Yeah. Oh, you should have you should have heard my relatives though. <laughs> They were panicking at first. Oh, I'll bet. Especially no.
0: because some of your relatives didn't transition over to Catholicism. Hardly any. So they would not even under- understand this at all.
1: That's right. Yes. And you know, of course, what they took issue with the most. What, well, what would you guess it was?
0: What did they take issue with?
1: Yeah. What what would you say is the number one thing that they would absolutely boggle their minds about the, priest, the Catholic priesthood?
0: Not getting married? Correct yeah
1: it they just couldn't let it go, and I'm talking for over a decade
0: because for in the Protestant world, you're married all the time in a I way, mean, mostly pastors and ministers of Protestant congregations, they tend to be at least they're allowed to be married
1: yeah, and in my experience, from what I understand, they're encouraged to be married okay it's it's the exception is the is the ones that are not married, you know, okay. In a way, they're pressured. I would say, even
0: hmm, right? interesting. But anyway,
1: I don't know. I, I I'm not an expert on that, but um, but they've been warming to it themselves, okay. but much, much more gradually.
0: I would imagine.
1: And they've never completely been at peace with that.
0: Nor would I expect them to.
1: Yeah. So, um, but God is good and. We love our relatives, so no matter how raucous our Thanksgiving Thanksgivings have been, <laughs> uh, you know, we still get together and we still talk to each other.
0: Well, good, because they're family after yeah. all. So yeah, not only are you leaving the home where you've spent the bulk of your life, mm-hmm. you're also now leaving your new parish home to go off to seminary.
1: It's the weirdest feeling you know, um, I'll never look at the cathedral the same again, you know, what do you mean? Well, it's just that I've been into one seminary, then another seminary, and then three, four different parishes I've lived at, uh-huh, and so, like coming back i I just can't see it the same way again, you know how do you see
0: it How did? okay, let me ask you this, yeah, how did you see it before, and how do you see it now?
1: you know. In a way, I thought the cathedral was the church. You know, there's, it's everywhere is the, there are only clones of the cathedral out there. Everything's you know? like the cathedral. Everything's like the cathedral, you know. But, uh, my gosh, nothing could be further from the truth. Yes. Uh, in any way, in an aesthetic way, in a personality way, in a, in a demographics way, any, any category you want to uh, throw in there. Uh, i've just seen other churches and and because of that it's it's um it, it the cathedral is now one among many ways of um of having a parish you know
0: yes when you come back to the cathedral now do you have a, a little sense of nostalgia or is it a, a just a i mean what when you come back here what do you experience it might be different from when you were here initially
1: in a way, the honeymoon phase is over, uh, oh okay, you know uh and so it's it's um and but paradoxically, it's more like home to me, so it's like it's almost a contradiction in my head, so it's like it's like I feel like I belong here mm-hmm, and i but at the same time i I feel like I've grown up a little bit, you know, sure. So, yeah. But so we I, do,
0: and I know when you come back, we welcome you with open arms, and we're so happy to see you because I, we we do, in a sense, consider you family here.
1: Yeah, and I and I I totally know I know that every time I come back, and it's it's such a blessing, it really is. Um, I I love visiting. Um, in a way, it's kind of like I feel, um. I think I've had a little bit of the same spiritual detachment Mm -hmm. at the cathedral that I've had with my home. With home. So first, I've spent all my time at home. Then I had that detachment. I'm spiritually homeless. Then I've come here, and it kind of became my new home. Now I'm spiritually detached again. And a lot of things have changed since I've been gone. So I I felt that there was a little rupture in continuity, but that's just me. You know, it's just me. And
0: and, and it's life. Things change, right? And when you're gone from somewhere for a period of time, things will have changed. That's yeah. just natural.
1: Yeah, but the cathedral has its own genius, you know, that I appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, and its own beauty that I appreciate, and and definitely above all the people. This will,
0: Amen. But there's something that that you shared, and that is to experience the diversity, and the and the and the manifold ways. That although the liturgy is the same, mm-hmm. the expression can be different. The, mm-hmm. ca- the character of the parish is different. So different. Um, the buildings, the architecture itself is different. Quite different. And being able to appreciate, um, like Jacob's, Joseph's multicolored robe, mm. in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not a bad analogy. You know, it's uh, it, it's just a uh, to be able to look. So it's it's the difference to me. It's the the difference from of looking at the church from ground level and or from the top of the mountain level, bird's eye view, being able to see a bigger picture of what the, the expression of the body of Christ is.
1: Right, right. It's beautiful. So many facets. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And then
0: you can bring that to wherever. Perish, you find yourself mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. you you take a little bit of every place into you mm-hmm. and so you yourself are a different beast walking around you know yeah so it's it's really it can be really disorienting oh i'll bet uh it's like it's like traveling to another planet wow you know
0: so i don't want to get into the whole seminary experience um but I do want to get an update as to where you are in that process at this point.
1: Very good. Uh, where I am right now is pastoral year. Pastoral year is basically a one year, almost a year, really, more of an academic year. Okay. Um, internship at a parish.
0: In- internship.
1: Internship at a parish. Yeah. And so I'm an intern. I'm shadowing the priest. Okay. I'm working. I'm you know, contributing to to the parish there. Uh what I'm doing concretely is I help teach middle school, Religious Ed, okay. three days a week. And I uh do a lot of altar serving and daily mass, you know. I I do what else do I do? I've I've done little projects like a Lenten Reflection on Zoom there or like uh uh some confirmation talks here. Um, but you know, what's really been one of the most unexpected jobs, but that takes up a lot of my time, is graveyard rights of committal. So graveyard services.
0: Oh. Which is different than graveyard shift at the security.
1: Correct. Very different. <laughs> <laughs> the night and day difference. Literally. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but anyway, which is, it's a very, we're laughing, but it's a very somber occasion.
1: Yeah, uh and just to continue the jokes just a little bit further, if I, if anyone asks me what my legacy has been at Saint Isidore Parish, I I would have to say I've helped put a lot of people underground.
0: <laughs> oh dear.
1: So and um and this is a record year for gravesite services for Saint Isidore. They're, they were very happy that they had a extra pair of hands now, to go. Is
0: that, is that because of the pandemic, do you think? Or is it, what do you, why would you say that's the case? I would
1: definitely say the pandemic contributed because I can think of at least three services that ha- were of, because of COVID. Okay. Uh, a lot of them I didn't know the cause of death. But, uh, but it's just, um, it, it just, I'm not sure. Interesting. Sure sometimes, and, or.
0: and sometimes certain populations all age at the same time. Uh huh. And so they were young maybe when the parish started and they've grown into the parish. Now you've got a bunch of people who are at that stage of end of life stage. Sure. And they all, you know, it's like when you grow up, you go through phases, right? All your friends are getting married. All mm-hmm. right. And then you go, na 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 na, all your friends are having kids. Na 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 nah. Now all your friends are getting retired. Nah, 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 and all your friends are starting to die. Mm-hmm. And that's just life.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, so, I gotta tell you, Chris, despite the, the whole death aspect, mm-hmm. it's been a beautiful ministry because you do a little bit of grief ministry. Sure. Uh, and so, a marginal amount of counseling. Um, you, although I wouldn't call myself a qualified counselor by any stretch of the imagination. And then, um, you give a lot of people closure. You know.
0: Oh, sure.
1: And you help them pray, right? And it's l- practically invariably, people are—they walk up to you and say, "You know, you made my day. That this was this was such a great service." You know, and um, yeah, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it. <laughs> I can see that in you. Yes. Um, so that's okay. Emotions and, are good. Yeah, and another thing. It really, before, it's a lot of theoretical stuff in seminary, mm-hmm, but here mm-hmm. you're actually dealing with people and, um, <clears throat> you're actually doing ministry, like priests, it's priestly style ministry. Right.
0: So being a, like a pastor.
1: You, you, you really feel like you're borderline, a uh, you know, a priest, uh, and people treat you that way. And, um, and, uh, it's, it's a beautiful feeling, uh, that's one of the things that drew me to, to being a priest. Uh, the, the aspect of spiritual fatherhood, you know? Mm. And so to, to be that, that, that man for others in that sense. Um, there's a real need for that. And even normal, natural fatherhood, people need that so badly in our world. There are a lot of absent fathers, both emotionally and physically. True that. And so people, they they uh recognize and they acquire that mm-hmm. you know in the in in those moments and um yeah, it's, and you meet so many incredible people along the way the funeral oh, the, the funeral people you know they they themselves uh feel like they have a calling to this particular style of life mm mm-hmm. and it's primarily about giving people peace first and foremost first and foremost peace the relatives of the deceased right. Uh, and respect for the deceased, you know. And, um, so that's, that's just such a worthwhile calling. Uh, so after
0: this pastoral, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, that is a heavy topic and it can get emotional. And I, you know, when you said you're getting emotional, I thought about yesterday's gospel where Jesus got emotional.
1: Lazarus, yeah.
0: In the same context.
1: Right? It's the yeah. same context. Yep. Death.
0: And burial. That's right. Right. That's right. So, um, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. So, at this stage, then um, you're going to be wrapping up your pastoral year soon. Yeah. And and then, what? So at this point, you're pretty far into the process. You have got what? Maybe a year a year to go, or a couple of years. Couple of years before ordination.
1: Yeah. Typically, after the pastoral year, you do have a couple more years. Okay. Theology three, and then theology four, the diaconate.
0: Where you go back into the, in the seminary for the, more of the intellectual stuff.
1: More of the intellectual stuff, and then that last year is like a combination of the intellectual stuff and ministerial stuff, because you normally are a deacon at that point. So the
0: transitional diaconate.
1: Transitional diaconate. And so you're, you got your foot in both worlds, and it's, it's a real tightrope walk.
0: So, do you fulfill the transitional diaconate ministry while you're in the seminary, or are you assigned to a parish to do that, or how does that work?
1: Both at the same time.
0: So, you, are you having to commute then, every right. weekend? Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Holy mackerel. It's, it's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Wow. But most guys survive. <laughs> most. Yeah, Not all survive. Not all. No. No, you, it's it's uh, just a, a truth of seminary is that every year somebody discerns out.
0: Discerns out. It's just yeah. the way it is.
1: That's the way it is.
0: Which is actually probably a good thing. It's good. Better it's to horrible. discern out before you actually get ordained than to get ordained and then figure, oh, this isn't for me. Absolutely. Right?
1: Yeah. And the further in you are... <laughs> Uh, the the more problematic discerning out is.
0: Yeah, know? I could imagine.
1: Yeah. And really, everybody's path is a custom path. So it, we say that you have nine, seven to nine years in the seminary, uh-huh. but really it varies from person to person. From, it all depends on how you're evaluated each year by the Office of Vocations. You never know what they'll tell you next. Maybe they'll want you to go uh, take a leave of absence. Sure. Sometimes they want you to go uh, do a medical thing somewhere. Sometimes they they want you to, and the summer assignments could be anywhere. Could you could be working in the cemetery, cleaning up flowers. Could be doing your chaplain ministry. You could be doing language immersion in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's re- kind of really up to the leadership, in in large part, where they feel God is guiding them. So yeah. So, wow. I can't foretell the future, but well, who can yeah, <laughs> but I feel i at this point I do feel very strongly called to the priesthood,
0: well, after listening to your story, um, I'm convinced
1: oh, awesome,
0: you know, well, I was convinced before I mean i like I said, I sent something from the very beginning, um, but having those types of spiritual ex- Because I had a spiritual experience that got me into the Catholic Church in the first place.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, but hearing those things, there's, it's hard to refute things that are inexplicable.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, you know, I, years ago, I was given a piece of advice that I've held on to. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, in times where questions and doubts come in. Right. And that is don't doubt in the dark. Don't doubt in the dark. What you've seen in the light.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's good. It's very good. Right? Don't yeah. doubt in the dark what you've seen in the light. Um, because, you know, as human beings, there's absolutely no way we can be 100% sure of almost anything.
1: <laughs> That's true. Right? <laughs> yep.
0: So. Um,
1: we, we do the best with we do what the best we, we
0: have. That's what we do. Yep. And some of us are better at it than others well i'm in, I'm encouraged I'm encouraged thank you um yeah, I can't. This has been a great chat. I mean, we've chatted many times throughout your process, and I've always been happy when you were closer to downtown of your your assignment so that I could go and visit you um and Yuba City really isn't that far away no, but right now we don't do a lot of traveling that's right um Oh, so I just wanted to, so, um, I've had my first dose of the, uh, COVID vaccine. Excellent. My second dose is going to be this Thursday. Now, have, has that been offered to you to receive vaccination?
1: You know, um, people are prioritized in terms of whether they're labeled essential uh-huh. workers. And, um, I tried, uh, to get on the list, but, um, uh, uh, then I received information that you know the the school that I work in, right? Uh, the Saint Isidore School. It, you know, the teachers are considered essential workers, and, and so they're moved up on the list. They're moved up on the list. So what I'm going to do, what my plan is, is just wait for it, their turn, okay. and then since I'm a teacher there, take it with them.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. And do you have any idea when that might be? Not really. <laughs> Not really. Yeah.
1: Uh, soon, I, that's what I hear. Because, uh, you know, the whole, um, the, our current administration promised to have everyone vaccinated by May 1st or something.
0: Okay. Well, so that's not far away. Yeah. So it'll be sometime in the next couple of months.
1: Yeah. But that's cutting it sh- kind of short because that's nine days before I have to leave St. Isidore's, so.
0: And if you have to have a second dose, then you'd have to go back to...
1: At that point, maybe they'll put me on a list for a second dose, you know. Because, yeah. you know, that wouldn't make sense not to.
0: Yeah, would it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. So, um, the last thought, this is something that I've been thinking about ever since I just we decided to have our chat, was I've known you for so long, um, and I consider you like a son. Thank you. You're definitely a brother uh, in Christ, and one of these days I may be calling you father, and that will be a very, very strange experience.
1: Well, I won't hold you to it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah.
0: All righty. Um, so, as we are wont to do, at the end of our uh, episodes, we'd like to end on a uh, praying the Lord's Prayer together, the Our Father.
1: So, I'd love that. Okay, if you would uh, get us going. Oh sure. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father who Lord art in heaven, heaven. Hallowed, hallowed be thy, thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come. And thy, thy will, will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give, Give us, us this day our, day, our daily bread. bread and and forgive forgive us our trespasses,
0: trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass trespass against us. And and lead us not not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Victor, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful morning. Um, And we'll continue to pray for you. Um, I hope you pray for us. And uh, I'll be talking with you again before long.
1: Thank you, Chris. It's, It's been great.
0: Have a safe trip home.
1: God bless. God bless.
0: Let's Talk Parish is produced and directed by Rex Rolanka. Our associate producers are Titi Kila and Chris Jensen. The music is Path to Glory by Ihor Bitsinski. Our host has been Chris Jensen. And a special thanks goes to the very Reverend Father Michael O'Reilly, Rector of the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament. If you wish to donate to the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament, a link will be provided in the episode notes. Or you can go to the Cathedral website at www.cathedralsacramento.org. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again, may God be with us all.